Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back. It's post Ides of March. So we are Ides plus one back, uh, or well, Ides in baseball, uh, baseball as well, interestingly enough, which we'll certainly get to. Oh, um, yes. But yeah, uh, and you're, of course, your patented catchphrase we are back. We are back. It's true. Um, you know, which, which you delicately cut out of our first episode. I <laughs> commend you on that choice, actually, because back from where nobody would know. That was my thought. That was my thought. I was a little heavy handed in the edit on the first app, but uh, but yeah, that one that one was a okay. It is a learning process. So it's all good. Yeah. So yeah, here we are in March. Um, I'm going to get my first coronavirus vaccine tomorrow, uh, which I'm extremely excited about, as you'd expect. So yeah, things uh, are are looking looking pretty rosy in in my neck of the woods. Um, how about you? I actually am getting my second vaccine shot on Thursday this week. So in a couple of weeks, I will uh, have as much immunity as the Moderna vaccine grants. And of course, we've been brewing up our own variant of the virus out here in California right. to, uh, you know, just liven up the party a little bit. Uh, it, it does make me somewhat anxious because it's like, we, we have no idea. We have, we have no idea. We, we, we really won't know for like another month, probably, or two just in terms of like the efficacy of the vaccines against this variant, but right. still I'm, I'm mostly optimistic at the moment. Yeah. And it's there's always boosters, booster yeah. shots, you know, will there, there will be, there will be very necessary. I mean, I've heard, I believe Dr. Fauci said a while back that it was going to be like a flu vaccine kind of situation, most likely in the future where, you know, they try to anticipate what's rolling around this year and mix up the, uh, the appropriate, the appropriate uh, countermeasures. So, right. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, at the start of this pandemic, I was wondering about the people who'd been playing. Um, uh, oh, what's the game where you design? Not, not pandemic. The one where you uh, are designing viruses. Um, Plague Inc. Plague Inc. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering about the people who've been playing Plague Inc. and what their perspective might have been. And I know they actually uh, makers of that game responded somewhere in the middle of all of this with uh, some kind of an update. And who knows? They could be setting us up for like an Ender's Game style uh defeat of the virus uh, quite possible quite possible i did in fact play a game of the board game pandemic remotely um uh, about a month and a half ago with with a couple of friends and and we did kind of uh, chop it up a little bit like one thing about pandemic is you're always like oh how yeah there's no way that you actually have like these four viruses at once that you actually need to find. but then it's like oh wait a second what are variants That's right kind of like what we're dealing with so yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, lots to get to today, so we will uh, press ahead, and I had one of my patented questions for you. Uh, well, you're going to see this one coming, but Moses, what's your second favorite game? You know, I was really spending this entire last week trying to figure out what my third favorite game is. No! Oh, shoot. Oh, and you might skipped have to right, next week. right by number two. I know, I was like, number two? Ah, who knows what number two is? It's like the lost levels of favorite games. Right. Incidentally, The Lost Levels is not my second favorite game. It's a rough um, one. And I haven't spent too much time playing it. But um, no, I actually, uh, this came down to the wire. I just kind of thought about it earlier. And, you know, you and I talked last time about how favorite games are a bit of a shifting target over time. You know, right now I'm feeling feeling Dark Souls Remastered is my favorite. Um, 
but then I was thinking like, what are our games? And part of that is I, I still am coming back to it, even, uh, even, even, uh, you know, after beating it. And, and I feel like that's a little bit of a criteria for something to be a favorite. If you don't have the time to get back to it, cause say it's just uh, impossible in scale, you should still be yearning to at least a little bit if it's one of your favorites, right? Sure. Um, so uh, I'm going to go with Tetris. Tetris. Um, yeah, you know, broadly speaking, that I keep coming back to the Tetris games over the years, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Um, the original and the sequel are, of course, very, very special games. Um, and some dawn of video games, relatively speaking, or at least early video games, uh, serious, just defining games, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially the original for many people on the Game Boy. For me, it was, you know, on the, on the Apple computer. Um, but definitely uh you you turned me on to the fact that it had come out um uh, but tetris effect and and you know i'd played other tetri tetrises along the way um but tetris effect really brought it to another level um and it's a game that i keep coming back to you know at least once a month i'll throw it on and at least play a little bit it's like you've beaten all the levels it's not entirely randomized I mean, it is to some extent but the difficulty scaling isn't um but it it's just such a, a timeless experience and in that particular instance it has such great music so how about you paul tell me about your, your well, second favorite game. and i've got a couple of my patented follow-ups i'm afraid uh ah, burn i know number one i if possible i'm going to make you choose between apple tetris and tetris effect yeah so for the moment again and this goes in streaks and for the moment i'm going to go with tetris effect it's very polished Right. but it still has the original Tetris feel in most respects. Yeah. The only thing about it, which I think was added in a somewhat previous version, um, the uh, storing a piece element was of course not there in the original. And I do enjoy an original stripped down Tetris where it's just bare bones. You just turn the piece and drop it. You don't even have the like speed up the piece in the original version of the game. You know, right, it was right. like, just drop it and pray that you have it lined up where you think you do. Yeah. Um, and obviously the um, the effect mode, whatever the supercharged mode is in, in Tetris Effect, um, but that just works out so nicely with the with the soundtrack and with the musical immersion aspect of that game. So, yeah. Um, and my final follow up, uh, speaking of music, if you had to choose between original Game Boy Tetris music A or music B, what would you choose? So music A is the. Uh, yeah, da, 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 oh, we're totally yes. different keys. Yes, okay. And remind me, music B is. Um, so it's it's a little so it's like, dun 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 dun. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the it's the yeah no definitely music A. I'm definitely music A all the way. As evidenced by the fact that music B, which one is that? They've tried a few different kind of Russian sounding. Just going to be totally like stereotyping here. I'm I'm a I'm a B guy over here. Uh, Fair enough. Maybe we'll revisit it. Uh, and it's it's quite charming. And the award goes to what is your second favorite game? Ocarina of Time. You know, that one was a contender when I've been thinking about it. So tell me what about Ocarina? Uh, I mean, it's really the perfect video game love story. You know, it was my 16th birthday. It had come out within a week, I, I feel like, or at least within a month of my birthday. So I got it for my birthday. And yeah. We had a little basement TV with like mono speakers, yeah. which I didn't really put two and two together. And I, my older brother cued me and eventually I was missing half of the sounds sometimes. Oh my God. I had it set to stereo. Oh um, no. But it was another kind of thing, like a, something I mentioned last week where it was sort of a tarnished 
experience potentially, but it didn't, I was young enough and it just didn't slow me down. It, you know, it didn't. And then when I, when I fixed that, it was like, oh my God, there's so much else going on with, with the music. Um, but yeah, just the way the game opens the title screen, you know, this lonely dark field with this gentle yeah. music and the cha-cha-cha, 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 you know, of, of the horse. Um, and, uh, it just was a grand adventure, like the scope of that game, you know, you're selling masks, you're fighting monsters, you're yeah, you know, looking for spiders, you're doing all sorts of things. And you're making overworld. friends with a horse, you're yeah. you know, running away from a, a, an exploding volcano. Exactly. Uh, and the overworld, it felt endless at that time. Yeah. I mean, it's actually quite small if you would inspect it with like today's eyes you know sure but it felt like this infinite boundless adventure was just sprawled out before you and it was a meaty game it is a meaty yeah. like it, it takes a, meaty game. a while to beat and you know this was before obviously the internet as we know it so all the secrets in the game remained secret yeah. you know the whole transition to adult link um, right and then the other thing I'll mention uh, very near and dear to my heart is the music. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, you know, it's sort of the constraints of the technology really can push a person to, to greater heights in, in music sometimes. Uh, especially think of the Forest Temple music. Oh, um, yeah. Just sort of haunting and, and ethereal and, you know, uh, I can, you know, picture it crystal clear. Uh, uh, and yeah, the 3DS remake was was great too. It ironed out a few rough edges, um, and I'm hoping they put it out on something again so I can like play it on on the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you that for me, um, I don't know if my mic's gonna pick this up. But I always go to. Exactly, that song of storms, yeah. that creak yeah. in that windmill. An amazing game. Interesting that we both landed uh, for our second favorite on something that in some way, shape, or form is musically driven. Um, even the original Tetris, the music is iconic. Mm -hmm. um, in Ocarina, obviously, um, in some ways, the, the scored music plays a, a bigger role, but you also do have an instrument that you need to play as a, as a game mechanic. Right. Um, and that you can, I mean, it's kind of goofy. You can bust it out and play a song completely irrelevant uh, <laughs> to where you are in the game uh, mechanically at any point. And it's just kind of a fun little touch that uh, in, in a sense probably didn't have to be there, right? It could have been like, oh, no, <clears throat> no ocarina here. You're not, not supposed to be using it here. But um, yeah. Yeah. And there were even optional, like, I think you could do sh like sharps and flats by pushing other buttons and you could oh, like yeah. make it waver around with the stick. And then I remember like teaching the scarecrow a song and it just, that's right. You know, and then in the future he re he'd remember it and oh uh, my God, you know, and then this guy at my church uh, telling me that there was a, a way to beat the rabbit, the hooded rabbit guy in the race. Like if you fatty Pona enough things and he kept saying he had this magazine, he was going to bring me, obviously it was all lies. He was just, but <laughs> just those, those little things you remember, you know, Mike yeah, no at doubt. church screwing screwing with me on on Ocarina, but yeah, what a great what a great game and a great example um, in one fell swoop there of both a game where the narrative itself is so big and compelling, and also how even in a big narrative game we still kind of string up our own narrative around it, our own stories of the experience or experiences. Mm -hmm. Certainly in your case with that game, so 
Um, do you have a favorite playthrough of your playthroughs? I know you've, you've, you've run that game a number of times at this point. I mean, it, it'd have to be the first one, um, but I will say a very fond memory of mine. Um, I was traveling in, uh, when Wendy and I went out to Yellowstone um, sure. and we stopped off in the Badlands and I had gotten Ocarina of Time on my 3DS and it was kind of my vacation playthrough game. And sure. I just remember we're in this little cabin uh, in the Badlands and you know I've got my beer, I've got Ocarina of Time, we're on vacation. Like that was, that was special. Nice. Yeah. yeah, moments, moments, and then moments, especially with, with portability of, of games are, are their own. Well, I, th I think we better keep, keep it moving along. Yeah, we here. will press along into our next segment. What have you been playing, Moses? Well, Paul, I have, uh, honestly, this week kind of got, uh, got me consumed a bit with some Apex. That was really my fundamental playing. You know, I, I pushed forward a little more in the Grand Blue Fantasy versus uh, story mode, although I, speaking of having my beer, I don't remember uh, what happened narratively in the portion that I pushed forward and okay. it, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, Apex had its hooks in me this week. So I was I was pushing pretty hard. As I mentioned last time, I was starting to get a little bit more of a handle on it. Mm -hmm. had a really disappointing session following that with uh, with uh, my buddy Jay and Jason Newberry, who you know, who may right. well be a guest on the show at some point. Yeah. Uh, and we realized that um, it's probably because of the skill-based matchmaking system. So if the two of us got a third person who was rated as good, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm assuming it's probably got something going on with the kill death rate and stuff like that. Um, then we would wind up where I was hopelessly outmatched, but I was also having like a really off night. Um, and to the point where like the next day I just was like, Jay, I gotta say, I apologize. I actually feel bad you know and you know obviously jay's a good guy and he's like yeah whatever you don't feel bad and then he brought up the point about the skill-based matchmaking system other notable things about apex this week they added nintendo switch for crossplay, and the okay. audio crossover for parties is an absolute utter disaster it's terrible the switch audio is like it's gotten slightly better after a patch they did the other night but it's like super super choppy going in both oh. directions Whereas so like Xbox to PlayStation is, is all good. So the switch audio, it you it the input is the switch itself? Or... No, I mean the mic for the other party members. Party audio. So are you talking about if someone on a switch is using voice? Is, is in my party on voice and it's like right. uh, who, who, uh. oh my god. I, hmm. Strange. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they'll fix it. I'm sure I wonder if it's a cross thing or if it's a switch. Thing. I think it's a I think it's a cross thing, and again, they've got it worked out between the PlayStation and the Xbox. But for mm -hmm. for some reason, with the Switch, it's been it's been a real mess, real yeah. mess. But uh, but yeah, been getting some some really good Apex in there. It's been solid, getting getting a few more kills here and there. I did have a disappointing moment just earlier, throwing in a couple of matches before we were getting on here, and uh, you know, just failed to get around to get on top of a, a guy and like party got downed i was the last one downed i just couldn't find where the action was on the map and like the dude has to get on mic and be like you know you should try shooting the gun sometime oh. he sounded just like that too no he didn't actually he he sounded like a normal person I've, but um that was amazing though yeah it would that, have been that's... great if he sounded like that i would have been like wow i being visited by a muppet who apparently mm -hmm. is just schooling me and taunting me about apex um 
but it was dispiriting because it's not like I did zero damage that fight. It was just like I got I had sun coming in my window too. I can make excuses all day. But the point is like best thing about a game like this is the squad play can be fantastic and you can have fun whether with friends or with strangers. One of the one player on Switch I've like started playing regularly with who played on Xbox before. I have no idea what his real name is, but um, but I've hit up a few matches with him. He's a significantly better player than me, but he never dogs me if I'm like having a shit game. But then the other end of it is you can have stuff like that. Oh, God, it, I was in a match and somebody had like two or three young children in the room. I think maybe one of the young children was playing Apex. Just all kinds of like crosstalk with high pitched voices and like, you know, a shooter like that, the, the audio is kind of important. You want to hear if somebody's trying to sneak up on you or if you can sneak sure. up on somebody else. <laughs> it was just miserable. So that's uh that's my week in apex okay how about on your end what have you been digging in oh my god moses <laughs> loop hero loop hero moses loop loop hero hero loop hero really? it's every so every once in a while a game comes along and i'm like a game can't make me feel this way again it can't pull me in this much binding yeah. of isaac did that to me death stranding uh sure. did that to me oh just feeling like, like did your hands some damage yeah because of holding yeah. the stupid triggers and playing for eight hours you yeah. know on, on a day um but so okay loop hero. loop hero is is incredible it's a little 15 dollar game it's on steam only right now um it is a roguelike with deck building elements uh Ooh, you like do not you do not directly control the hero. The hero moves along on this loop and fights all on their own. And what okay. you do is you slide their new gear that they find up into the gear slots. And you also get cards when you kill enemies, which you then place onto the map. And those cards will then generate enemies, generate chests of loot. Okay. Um, and the it, uh, like, where do we even start? Uh, it's got this great pixel aesthetic, the music, is is fantastic um just you don't get tired of it even as it's playing in my head endlessly when i'm not playing the game you know yeah um okay there you go we go again with music and the importance of music and games. Yeah. we're gonna have to like dig around that uh maybe specifically in an episode at some point so i mean the the um, card mechanic sounds a little guild of dungeoneering-esque i'm not sure if you ever played that one i haven't no um i picked it up on ios at one point but it's a similar thing where okay. uh, you know you get you get cards uh, each turn as opposed to drops from an enemy, and you're you're laying out the map, and then uh, similarly your adventurers um, or your dungeoneers, whatever they're adventurers, standard D and D class type thing, um, will go to whatever is the most like kind of appropriate path for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is a little bit different, it sounds like, in terms of the pathing aspect. I mean, it sounds like it's yeah. a lot different in some other components, too. Yeah, the, the, the path itself is is fixed. Um, and each time you make a lap, you get a little bit of health back and everything levels up. And then okay. it's like, OK, I've got all this gear and I'm doing well. Do I risk making one more loop and potentially dying and then only taking 30% of my resources with me? Ah. Uh, or if I make it all the way back around to the campfire, I get to take 100% with um gotcha so that's the that's the roguelike aspect of it that uh right you know, among other things like continuity gear as well you know you start over with with gear all the time um and basically the 
one of the, my favorite things about this is just the joy of discovery because the game does not tell you much, including card synergies. If okay. I if I place this meadow next to this mountain, something will happen. Uh, the game doesn't tell you what that is uh, uh -huh. until you do it. Um, and it just goes from there. And I'm very tempted to like give you more examples of that, but I, I, I won't because you, you, simply, want to play this game. you simply must play this game. And the joy of discovery is such a big, a big, big part of it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I like how you just said, uh, here's two things that, you know, you might wind up trying, but what happens? So oh, that's, that's for me to discover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, cool. I, it, it consumes it consumes me. I, you know what I mean? Like at least with baseball, they take two weeks off, <laughs> you know, after, after three, <laughs> which this week. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get to baseball, but uh, that is, uh, that is what I've been playing and that is what I'm going to keep playing. And in my head, I'm, I'm already there. You're playing it right now. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we've been playing. Let's move on. That is what we've been playing. And it is time now for our next segment. What I love about. And uh, my love about is actually sort of similar to how I described Loop Hero. So I will let you, uh, I will let you take point on this one. Sure. Um, this is a kind of an odd side thing, but it's one of, I've been thinking about since our first episode about something to just give a shout out to a game that I think is cool. Um, so this is uh, what I love about you must build a boat. Mm. Um, and uh, for those of you who haven't played, you must build a boat. Um, it's, it's really inexpensive. It's probably like $2.99 on, on, on phones and I don't know, similar or something on, on Steam. Um, but uh, personally, I would recommend putting it on, on your phone because you, you start playing it and it's kind of a perfect uh, in transitional spaces kind of game. You pick it up and you play it for a bit, but that's not the what I love about it. Um, I love that uh, it, it does something that, that I love. It's something that in its own sense, Portal actually did. It takes two games that seem like they should have absolutely nothing to do with each other whatsoever, and it manages to bring them together into one unified, super fun play experience. Mm -hmm. So in the case of You Must Build a Boat, it's not the random kind of RPG-esque aspect of that game. It's actually the least aspect of it, um, where you go and you like level up gear and stuff. Um, if anything, that's the most frustrating part of the game is that you have to level some stuff up. It is the fact that it is an endless runner combined with a match three game. And that is just like... There are a lot of things you can think of combining with a match game where where it might work. You and I used to play some Might and Magic uh, Clash of Heroes uh, with, with some frequency. Um, it's a great game oh, that yeah. combined a match three type mechanic um, with with something that's completely different with kind of a head to head tactical experience. Um, but this is with an endless runner of all things, kind of like how you wouldn't think you would make a physics uh, physics first person shooter uh, like Portal. Like in this case, who the heck would think like, you know what you can do? You can put the match table underneath the runner and he keeps running and he runs into things and you got to match and match and match to like solve the different stuff that you run into. So mm -hmm. that's what I love about what I love about you must build a boat is just how it slams together two genres and makes it function. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm definitely, you know, actually getting loop hero vibes with thematically and, and even mechanically what you're, what you're describing there. You'll, you'll see what I mean once you, uh, once yeah, well, you know, that game really sucked me in for like, I think a year and a half. I was regularly playing it on my smartphone. So I'm getting a little bit nervous about this Loop Hero, uh, you know, be. portal that you're opening in, in front of me, no pun intended. Indeed. So, yeah. 
uh, for me, um, what I love about the outer wilds, uh, which is, of course, different from the outer worlds, right. uh, confusingly enough, is uh, similar to what I mentioned with Loop Hero, the, the sense of discovery. And yeah. uh, especially with Outer Wilds, um, you only take with you. So I guess, you know, in a nutshell, it's a game where, you know, after 22 minutes, the sun goes supernova, blows up the whole solar system, and then you start over. And you kind of have to figure out why and what's going on. Okay. And you don't carry So it's any... Majora's Mask only in space. Exactly. You carry nothing with you except knowledge. Okay. Uh, and it is such a, a powerful thing because, you know, you're slowly piecing together these, these mysteries and getting more familiar with the, you know, this little solar system, this clockwork solar system and what happens after enough time passes and these two things come close to each other or why did this ancient alien race die out? Like, you know, you're not getting more health, you're not getting more bullets, you know, there's no combat in the game, really. But you are, you are learning and you are retaining and it, it actually stores it in your little ship's computer. It's kind of the only ah, cool. thing that, that comes forward. So you don't have to, you know, do all, all the heavy lifting yourself. Right. Um, but no, that's so, nice, especially if it's like you step away from the game for like two weeks to do whatever circumstances. Yeah, you might have had a lot of it in your head. And then you're like, Oh, God, where was I? Yeah. And it's, it's just a game where you can you know, even though there's 22 minutes each loop, you can take your time, you can, you can soak up the spaces, you can just sit there and ponder, you know, oh, if all this happened, then how did this race survive? And uh, on top of that, I mean, it's, you know, it was my game of the year, uh, I believe, for, for the year it came out. So I know, I know you recently uh, on, uh, on PS Plus, I think you told me to go ahead and, and library that sucker up. Is that right? Or is that yeah. Outer Worlds? I think it was Outer Worlds, yeah. Uh, which, which actually we will we will be getting to. Yeah, I don't know if I have too much more to say about Outer Wilds. I mean, it's it's a masterpiece, uh, plain and simple. Um, we will now uh, get to our next segment, which is clunkers. Uh, this week's clunker was sent in to us by Nick from Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, they wanted us to, to give it a shot. I had played it a couple of years ago. I was just desperate for a new game, foolishly sank 60 bucks into it. The reviews were decent. Um, but, uh, Moses, you and I had a chance to, to sit down a little bit and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah. So I think that if I had this game, uh, you know, locally, uh, cause I was playing it with, uh, with, uh, what do they call it? Remote play? Yeah. Something like that. Um, that it would still probably suck. And, and furthermore, I have a feeling that the more of this game you play, the more frustrating it gets. Mm -hmm. The things that immediately stood out to me in terms of sucking. Um, first of all, the, the color palette. And I mean, there might be other locations. Uh, I, I would certainly hope so. And so that, that might change. But just in terms of, uh, as we were discussing, as you come across this first uh, body on the ground that for some reason is uh, missing both legs, a double amputation of some sort has taken place. You don't know where the legs went, um, but the colors are just way off compared to the rest of the environment. Um, like jarringly so, like somebody um, kind of like grabbed an asset at the last minute from a different game or at least a different level and just like, oh, just stick that in there. 
which, you know, when that kind of thing happens late in the game, sometimes you have to be like, you know what, game development's hard and um, you, you don't always have time to build all the assets that you want and, you know, and, and your Dark Souls and it's just almost the very end of the damn game and you're just like, wow, this, no. Um, but yeah, this was <laughs> not the end of the game. This is like the first encounter more or less that you have in this game and you're immediately st- struck with something. Um, I almost I almost wonder if playtesters were straight up missing that corpse, which I think has an important tutorial or something on it. So like, okay, we have to make this guy's blood like garish neon neon blood. Uh, but yeah, as as first impressions go, it's it's not super. So I mean, that's just one. You you take a crack, and then I've got another thought for sure. It. Uh, I just never found the controls to be that great. I don't know if it's a dead zone thing. There are occasionally games, and it's not. Uh, console specific. Um, one of the uh, stalker games that I played on PC, just trying to aim never felt good. There was a floatiness or a, a weightlessness or something to it, an imprecision. And uh, this game feels that way. Like you kind of pointed out your character's gun just kind of s- sticks out stiffly and yep. sort of awkwardly. And it just doesn't feel good to to be in the space. And I mean, I've been spending a lot of time looking down iron sights and various scopes recently in a game that does that really well. So that stood out to me as well. It was exacerbated by a little bit of lag, mm-hmm. but like, honestly, even without that, um, like just trying to go through the looting process even was just a, a, a wonky experience. It was clunky and just not uh, not fantastic. So um yeah, I'm I'm going to give my thumbs down and I have no reason to ever actually pick this game up and, and run all the way through it. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, one other thing I'll, I'll mention is it's sort of aping like a Bioshock kind oh, of thing, yeah. which is which is admirable, but it doesn't it doesn't have the creative chops behind it in a way. It, it feels too much like a like a pale imitation. Well, and it feels frankly forced. Um because like in that opening scene where the, the mad scientist who's obviously lying to you because you actually saw him steal your, you know, whatever, your uh, body. <laughs> your bod, yeah. Your bod, your bo- steal your bod. Um, no, but um, steal your suspended animation tube and whatever. And then he holds up like a wanted poster and I'm going, why does he have paper? Mm. Who's printing wanted posters given the rest of the setting from what we're seeing so far? And then like there's that um, you know splash screen loading screen and it's like again very much in the in the Bioshock kind of style uh, cool kind of um, you know artistic. Art Deco retro kind of yeah yeah exactly um, propaganda poster type stuff but why does it fit this world at all There's nothing that that we've seen and maybe there's something that comes up later that kind of justifies it but man that felt like a stretch yeah yeah and uh, yeah. I, I bounced off after maybe 15 hours. I'm sure there's redeeming qualities and obviously making games is hard and we, we always- making Games you know, is hard. We, we don't, don't want to hate on any, anyone's work, but uh, it's the clunker segment. What are you going to do? All right. Um, well, that is it for clunkers. Uh-oh. We'll now move on to our fighting game minute. Uh, not much to report from my end. I had a-, a, a I was in like a three-person lobby 
um, with okay. some friends and and had some fun spectating that. It all worked pretty well. But I really haven't haven't played. You and I haven't haven't played either. No, we haven't had any time to to jump back in. And as I said, um, you know, I I jumped in while drinking some beers the other night and ran through a little bit more of the story mode. Um, and uh, I could say it continues to story. Um, yes, yes. You know. And uh, there is a, the, the slightly almost embarrassing quality to it where the, uh, the, the anime-ness of it is, um, it's quite, quite extreme. The characters right. are like, why is this character hopelessly naive? Oh, because that's the nature of the genre, right? right? Like, uh, yeah, why does this one have, you know, a size double D, you know, with no gravity to speak of. Again, this is a, a function of the genre. Um, but the art's beautiful. The art's beautiful and uh, the story mode at least continues to give me uh, practice using Gran. I'm sure I'll get access to other characters at some point. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, that has been your fighting game minute. Up next, your Blazeball update. Uh, it's gonna be pretty brief here. As we speak, Magic are on top of their division, which I have not seen maybe oh, ever. Uh, right. It's pretty pretty exciting stuff. Um, the only other thing to mention <laughs> is, so I subscribe to the Patreon for Blazeball, and at a certain Patreon level, you can submit new names uh, that will be added to the naming pool, which I've done, I think, four or five months now. And lo and behold, yesterday I'm scrolling through, and who should I see? Uh, for I think on the Fridays is a character named Nick Nagoyo. It's N I Q, yeah, and that is our friend Nick, yeah, your drummer, uh, and, uh, and game dev partner. They are now yeah. immortalized, uh, furthermore, in baseball. And I was just epic, you know, it was just such a fun little moment. It's Nick, Nick is a baseball, you know, it was, it was, yes, fantastic. that's fantastic. Um, and as I mentioned, they're doing uh, three weeks on, two weeks off, and we are approaching the end of the third week of the new format. Yeah. And with as absorbed as I am in baseball, I'm actually glad <laughs> that we'll all be getting a break because it, it, it's always there. It's virtually 24-7. You can always bet. You can always check your stadium renovations, how those are coming along, you know, um, so loving it uh better than ever as i said but happy happy to get a little bit of a, of a break as well touch of a break excellent yeah moving along now uh to our next segment this is our guest segment and uh with us is uh, a dear friend of ours rick horton rick welcome to the show greetings greetings thanks for being here um mm -hmm. Now, as is uh, customary in our show, I will have a few um, rapid fire questions. Uh, mm -hmm. Moses will have a couple of questions of, of his own, and then uh, we will get to uh, whatever you'd like to speak of. So Rick, what's the, yes, first, what's the first game you remember playing? First game I actually remember playing was probably Pac-Man or some version of it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was, like one of those home console versions that came out might have even been an unlicensed thing that it was just it was just the like box and maybe one joystick even the, the joystick might have even been attached to the box and it plugged oh, okay. straight into your tv there was that version yeah. of pac-man that was like a yeah like a box yeah yeah and it was some old black and white no this was a black and white thing 
uh, an output black and white, uh, or maybe my grandmother just had a black and white TV. I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Uh, but yeah, it was some old version of Pac-Man thing that my grandmother had. I think that might be the first game I ever actually remember playing. Wow. Uh, I wonder, so your grandma or grandpa perhaps yeah. were, yeah. they were into that. No, I think it was something no. she got at a like garage sale or no, because it would have been too new at that time. I think it was something maybe she got from work. Well, it wasn't something she cared about at all. And in fact, if I had <laughs> realized what it was, I would have I would asked her for it. She would have given it to me for sure. But I I don't think I knew what it was until do you, know, do you remember where well, she long worked? afterwards? No, interesting. Some, something with the state or with computers or something. Wow. That yeah, is... I don't think she just she herself didn't work on computers, but she worked on some sort of place that had computers or something computer I, I, adjacent I kind of exactly yeah but in the I like mean, 70s or 80s super fun times when you go to granny's house though get to play pac-man yeah although i think i was too young to really enjoy it my dad on the other hand he was really into it and in fact he he got into pac-man hardcore once we got an atari st he was all about the pac-man nice nice That's, which which is just a indicator of the rest of his video gaming history wow well, I'm I'm certainly curious about that, but uh, yeah. I will get to my next question. What's the first game you remember beating? Oh, right. The first game I remember beating was probably the first game I like remember being proud to beat was probably XCOM, the original oh, XCOM. Fuck! Wow. I, I, I'm sure there were other games that I beat before then, but I have a uh, I have a two a couple of traits that don't lend themselves well to most video games. I'm not, I don't have the best hand-eye coordination, and I don't have the patience to get better <laughs> at it. Uh, so most Twitch games, I'm you know like I'll get through, and if it's easy enough, I'll I'll hammer my way through. But I'm never gonna finish Super Meat Boy or uh, you know any roguelike base. Oh no, that's not true. I never did finish Rogue, the original Rogue. Mm. Uh, got close, right? And I mean, that couldn't have been easy, though. The original XCOM, I'm sure there was some bullshit in that game. Yeah, I, I, although it wasn't a game necessarily built for for punishment. Mm-hmm. Or that's, I don't know, that's not true. No, it was a brutal game. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about, yeah, all the many, many reloads of save games uh, right. screaming at the screen. <clears throat> yeah, no, I think, yeah, it was a hard game. I, I don't know if there was a game built to test your limitations of punishment like mm-hmm. super me boy right uh but yeah without without putting some effort in or going back to save games pretty frequently you'd have uh, yeah it was it was a really hard game but yeah it was fun it was challenging it was uh yeah beating it was an event for sure no doubt have you, um, have you gotten a chance to uh, play the board game no but i've heard it's awesome i'm a fan i it is i i just wanted to slip that in there just because it's an interesting adaptation hmm. And like typically when you think video game adapted to board game, you're like, okay, this is going to be a total utter train wreck. Um, you know, this is a co-op game and yeah. uh, with, with a timer element with kind of a live uh, live element to it. Um, it works out really well. works out really well. So, you know, yeah. when it's possible for human beings to gather in physical spaces again, <laughs> we should, uh, you know. Yeah, definitely. I've heard it. I always hear it on the list with, I think, Civilization as the other really great video game to board game. I'm sure there's a a bunch of others, but those are the two that I remember because those are two games I like. Fantastic. Um, Tell us about a memorable gaming disappointment. Um, Yes, a memorable gaming disappointment at this job interview. 
Uh, <laughs> what are your what's your biggest weakness? Yeah, if I like, were a like tree, really disappointing but not too disappointing, so it shows a redemptive quality. <laughs> exactly. Boy, um, I don't tend to play games for very long if I don't like them. So whatever the disappointment is, it has to be a sequel. Well, you know what? Okay, I guess this is maybe slightly different than the actual question, but um, a game I liked. But I didn't love it the way other people did. And I don't remember it as fondly as other people did as the original Halo. Mm. Uh, I remember playing the original Halo and afterwards being like, yeah, it was cool and all, but you know, like, was it a PC shooter? And the level design was like cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste. And yeah, it was cool. And I guess maybe other people hadn't played shooters quite like that before that were already staples on the PC. It was really the first awesome shooter on the Xbox. Right. First. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I think people got into it. And I guess it turns out maybe the most important thing for that game is the, the fiction. It turned out to be the mm. thing that I kept, I think, kept people coming back to war. You know, suits of armor helps too. But the sure. fiction, I think, was what sold the, the franchise long term. Okay. Interesting. And uh, yeah. my final question for you, Rick, what's your favorite game? My favorite game is Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, and we will, I, I believe we will be getting uh, to that a little bit more, uh, but Moses, yeah. take it away. Yeah, Rick, I've got a few questions for you as well, uh, to determine whether we hire you for the job. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> just to pick your brain about games. When you think about Paul and Moses, what is the first game that comes to mind? Battle mode. There we go. That's a, yeah. certainly a completely reasonable I mean, association. If you, if you had said either of you, the answer would be different. Mm -hmm. But if you say both of you, then yeah, it would be battle. And that would be uh, the, the Super Mario Super Mario battle mode, battle game. Battle game, right. For those yeah. without context, and I, I have no doubt that we're going to talk about that one again at some yeah. point in the future. I think it's Super Mario Brothers All-Stars 3 is the version. Yep, that is, yeah. that is correct. Something like, something like that, one of those. Yep, yep. most definitely. Yeah. All right, so you mentioned, uh, you know, in our, our pre-roll, you mentioned this game and said you weren't going to talk about it today. Uh, so just tell me in 30 seconds or less yeah. why should someone play Arma? Oof. I can give you Lock as many going. reasons. I can give you as many reasons not to play as I can to play, which is the best <laughs> way to start. I almost asked you tell us why someone uh -huh. shouldn't play Arma. So. Yeah, that'd be that's easier or maybe just as good. Uh Arma is a if you want to make your own shooter uh and you can't figure it any other way, Arma is a really good place to go. Uh or if you just want to be able to play your own kind of like modded thing where you've got zombies fighting Nazis, fighting Halo, fighting Star Wars, fighting Space Marines from Fort Warhammer, you know, like the mod community makes that game make you whatever you want it to be. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, okay. I, I wasn't going to ask this question. I'm going to, I'm going to slip it in there since you mentioned 40k. Who is the best Warhammer 40k Primark? Ooh, yeah. I'm going to go with Rogel Dorn. I knew you were going to go with Rogel Dorn. I don't know why. Yeah. Something about fortifications yeah. was just running through my mind, though. Yeah. Build yeah. it bigger, stronger, mm. you know, for the Emperor. Excellent. And the last question I was actually going to ask you. Yeah. Would you ever play a Guitar Hero or Rock Band type game again? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about yeah. that recently. If I could get, yeah, if I didn't have to, like, go to secondhand stores to get it or spend a bunch of time on websites and mess with a bunch of software yeah if i could just easily pay 50 bucks or whatever and get it again i would sure and i have definitely considered plugging my guitar into uh what's the uh, guitar 
Rocksmith. Well, there's a book, Rocksmith, thank you. There's a ton of those kind of games out that are, you know, legit practice tools as well as being games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, that last question for our audience, uh, Rick and I certainly have spent a fair amount of time in our mutual history jamming out yeah. on some rock band when the uh when rock band one was was up in the mix. So yeah. I'd have to do some serious serious math to figure out whether we spent more time playing rock band or actually playing real instruments together. And I don't know. It'd probably be a good 50-50. It was a it was a close thing. It was a close yeah. Thing. yeah. All right. Well, shall we turn to towards Kerbal? Is that the topic here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go for it, Rick. Yeah, I mean there's there's other games that I've played as much or more, but uh my favorite game, and I think the most important game I've ever played probably is Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> And it's an easy game to recommend too, as other games like R are not quite as easy to recommend. I think the audience for them is more limited, but uh, I don't know what the price for Armas or for Kerbal Space Program is now, but whatever the price it is, is worth it. But at 15 bucks as a thing to just play with for 20 minutes is great. And uh, I think if I were, if it had been introduced to me when I was a kid, when I was 13 or 14, my whole life might've turned out differently because uh, it's that, you know, I, I, maybe I wouldn't have got into it. Maybe I wouldn't have caught it. But uh, if I'd managed to get the same kind of inspiration that I got uh, five or six years ago uh, when I was a kid, it definitely would have changed my life. I would have had a reason to be interested in math and science and physics and just about everything else. Uh, That's powerful statement, especially because for it is, a yeah. lot of kids, math is um, it's it's less about whether they could be interested and more about any just anything to get them interested math so. yeah yeah well just you know like so much of math is built uh, you learn it to build so that you can learn more math uh you know it's building a, a foundation of math for more math and and it's like okay where am i going to do this stuff and it and for and and really for students it is like maybe you won't maybe you won't use this because really most of you aren't probably going to use most of this but some of you will and you're going to really need this well, so, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, quick aside on that, that the curriculum of math is definitely coming from mathematicians because that ties to my day yeah, job. I got to say that yeah, like, there's a lot of math that people could really be using in real life, so to speak, IRL. Uh, but when you talk to a math faculty who's really mathy, they'll be like, oh, statistics, that's not real math. Like, and, and then the light went on in my head when I heard one of them say that. And I was like, oh, it's no wonder that math is this long series of increasingly mm -hmm. abstract, like the way that it's taught when it, it could, there's all kinds of places it could plug into say, launching tiny beings into space. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, that's a whole separate conversation, but that makes total sense why mathematicians don't think of, of, of uh, statistics as being math because there's so much squishiness and you can interpret things different ways and there's real humans involved and you know yeah. it is a conversation that you and i should definitely pick up uh yeah. outside of this pod but uh Paul, yeah. where do you want yeah. to poke, what direction do you want to you want to push this oh i just i want to hear rick talk, talk yeah more so about kerbal that's where I'm yeah going. so so like in the perfect world what you do is you get a kid doesn't matter what age they are i guess whatever the safe age is for kids to play games but um <clears throat> I, I could imagine, I don't have a five-year-old yet, but I could imagine a five-year-old being totally entertained by this game. They'd have to have a little bit of help. And I don't just mean a little bit of help, but you could set it up so they could press a button and make something very, very fun happen. Uh, and that is to say, the, 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 the most simple gameplay element of the game is cons designing, constructing, and launching, controlling, and landing a rocket of some kind. Uh, and it can be as simple as 
pressing a button and then watching the thing explode, which is what is going to happen most of the time when you're playing. Uh, which is why they made a really brilliant game design decision, which is actually the thing that kept me out of the game for the first couple of years it was out. And that was the fact that it was about little green men. I saw the little green men in the, in the images. And I was like, ah, that looks like a kid's game. I'm not, I don't, I don't really want to learn about like kitty rockets or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't want to learn about like kitty things. It doesn't look realistic or whatever. And so I wasn't into it. And then, you know, I heard people who were really into rockets were into it. I was like, why would they be into that? I was like, that's a kid's game, right? And I checked it out. No, 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 no. So the decision to use little green men makes perfect sense when you realize that 90% of the times you launch a rocket, they're going to explode. <laughs> and so it's not super fun to like see, you know, Mary Smith, the astronaut. She's like, let's go, you know, and, and then she blows up over and over and over again. Challenger, 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 over and over. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So. So, uh, so it was a brilliant game design to make the the astronauts little kerbals beyond you know the marketing and all that other fun stuff that goes with it. But as a, just as a simple game design, it was critical. I mean, it definitely hurt their marketing for me, but uh, in the end, like it works out real well. And if you know if you really really can't stand looking at them, go to mods. Uh, but the core game itself, just the basic game, you know, you can. Uh, I would say for most people who play the game, who spend 50, 60, 100 hours playing, or I don't know, however many, uh, the game for them is learning how to build a rocket that can get into orbit and stay in orbit, and then landing on one or more nearby planetoids. Uh, that's what most people usually get out of the game. And that's like uh, the stuff that you can learn just from doing that alone is uh, worth the any price to me at least uh, and that is to say you get <clears throat> all of this really practical hands-on understanding of things about physics that you otherwise never have a practical reason to learn about um, and in fact it kind of gives you a playground to think about physics in an environment where you don't have to worry about earthly concerns which complicate physics dramatically. Like if you can think, people always talk about balls bouncing and that's great, but as soon as you have to worry about air resistance and all these other things, and then, you know, the, 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 uh, the viscosity, uh, not the viscosity, the uh, traction it gets from the surfaces bouncing on all these other things, you know, if you can give a, a person a, a gameplay setup where they don't have to think, worry about those things, they can just think about the physics of the thing they're doing. And they're not even really thinking about physics. You're just, thinking about gameplay elements by dragging little things around, but you're, you're learning about physics as you're doing it because, you know, when you're over on this side of the planet, uh, if you fire your engines here, you're going to use fuel much more quickly, propellant more quickly than if you were on this side of the planet. Uh, and so you learn, okay, so I guess I need to be over here to do that, to get more, more efficiency. And then you start to realize there's a pattern. Oh, when I'm over here, I'm way, much further out from the planet than I am if I'm close to the planet. Okay, so I want to be further away from the planet when I fire my engines. I get more fuel efficiency that way. Uh, really simple things like that, but all of the the physics of moving bodies all are, you know, at least reasonably stimulated in the game enough for a person to have to start to really think about what is it? Oh, okay, so just because I'm closer to, just because it physically looks like I'm near a thing, and because I'm literally, I'm very near a thing, like you can be 50, you know, 50 meters from a thing and it actually be completely outside of your reach because you're moving in two different directions at two different velocities. And essentially you might as well be across the, across the solar system from each other. Uh, 
because the amount of maneuvering you'll have to do in order to meet up is immense. So there's all these really specific practical problems that you have to solve, but it's great because they scaffold you up one by one with the most simple task. Take a rocket, just put a launch pad and press the button and see what happens. Uh, and then, okay, well, I need to put fins on it so it doesn't wobble around when it goes up. Okay, I put fins on now, it goes straight. Okay, well, now how do I turn? Ah, which direction do I turn? When do I turn? Uh, <clears throat> so the questions start, and you know, the, it's rocket science, it's complicated, but the, the basics of it are actually really straightforward. You press the thing and you use the arrow keys to steer in a direction that looks like you might get you to space. Uh, and you could fiddle with it until you figure it out, or if you want to mess with it, you figure out the math. Uh, and both are valid. <clears throat> and to that end, you don't have to actually do any math to get to the moon or whatever. Uh, you can just kind of wing it and figure it out. And, and landing on the moon is most people's the most exciting thing that happens for them in the game because it's hard. It's really hard. You remember that Moonlander game from the eight, yeah. 70s or 80s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that, but like on a, you know, a three-dimensional scale and ramped up with fuel and everything. Uh, so it's hard to land on the moon if you've never done it before. Uh, but it's not the hardest thing that is in the game, for me at least, and nor is it the hardest thing that I've ever done in a game, which is something in Kerbal Space Program. The, mo the biggest challenge I've ever completed in a game ever was done in Kerbal Space Program, and it was very simple. Docking and rendezvous of two vessels in space. I was going to ask. I was literally yeah. going to ask yeah. if yeah. you'd ever done that. Yeah. So, yeah, so absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Please. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it a few times, um, but it is not. It is. It's, it's crazy difficult. Like it. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it helps a lot if you know all the math, the physics, like, or, or the, not the physics, sorry, the procedures of the, the smart, you know, line the two vessels up and you make sure they're not moving relative to one another and you make sure they're perfect. And then you slowly bring them, you know, if you know that if you just try to wing it and fly up there and jam your craft on, it's never going to work. But even if you know what you're doing, it's still a lot of tap, 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 you know, a lot of this sort of thing to try to get it to line up and go. And it's, it's nerve wracking. And, and then you just tap it a little too far one way and then you bump the craft and it spins out and then, you know, reload. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about that. Was this a self-imposed challenge or was it a, a thing that happened in the gameplay where you were trying to rescue a stranded uh, crew oh. member or like what, why did you need to perform this maneuver? Okay. So the game at the time may not have had mechanisms in place to, may not have had any kind of, uh, achievement for docking in space. Uh, so I don't know that I was chasing an achievement. I, I probably was uh, legitimately. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was that docking two sp two spacecraft in space is the best way to uh, get further out in space. And uh, that is to say that you launch one spacecraft with all the important stuff on it, and the other spacecraft with all of the fuel, and then another spacecraft with all the fuel, and another spacecraft with all the fuel, and you connect them all together, and then you go. Wow. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I was chasing a practical need. I needed to get further out in the solar system, and um, it's not easy to do with one big spacecraft. And that's like, just another simple point. It's the very first most important lesson. And if you ask a rocket designer what the most important lesson of rocket design is, they would say the same thing, even if they never played a space program. And that is uh, the, 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 the Solkowski equation, which is this... Uh, uh, it basically simply says that the more stuff you put on a rocket, the more stuff you have to put on to make the rocket go. And that mm. thus you need more stuff. And in order to make that stuff you go, you need more stuff. So everything is a diminishing returns from the moment you put the rocket on the pad. Like the whole thing is a diminishing returns trying to get out of gravity. So you've got to you make it as light as it possibly can be and provide as much power, the most appropriate power possible uh, in the places where you need it. 
and it's a fascinating puzzle uh, to the, the way a spacecraft gets out of the atmosphere into orbit is a, a simple in the game ish compared to the scope of the game. It's a fairly simple problem to solve. You got to think about the different kind of layers of atmosphere and how spacecraft travel through them and what the best kind of engine to use for each of those things is if you want to get uh, the most but that, but the cool thing is that's how real rocketry is. So even though in the game you're on a, a planet called Kerbin and it's not a real planet and the planet diameter is not like Earth and the atmosphere is not really like Earth, uh, but it's Earth-like enough that you get the exact analogy of how it works on our planet as how it works on Kerbin. And yeah, it's not, it's not, there's, it's not realistic. It's not like they're modeling three-body uh, gravity and all this other stuff, multi-body gravity on the planet and all this other crazy stuff. It's a simple physics engine, but they're doing a reasonably good job, and it serves as a great metaphor for the way the real rocketry works and the real problems that rocket designers have to face. And at least anecdotally, not not being a real rocket designer, I've heard other, I've heard actual rocket designers, people at NASA and other places, say that they would have saved um, the a lot of money on their education if they had played Kerbal Space Program before they had you know, doing their PhD program or whatever, uh, because it does, it gives you practical way to examine stuff that they probably spent months in school trying to wrap their heads around. Uh, just things that are very simple that, yeah, you might spend 50 hours playing Kerbal Space Program to figure it out, but they had to spend how many thousands of hours reading books to figure it out. Not that there was a substitute for it. You're not going to build real rockets from learning Kerbal Space Program, but uh, you, you get a good head start uh, for wow. sure. That's yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, and yeah. sort of with the power of, of play, I've been I've been thinking because for me, like some examples I've used of you can do this embarrassing thing that you wouldn't normally do. You can play Johann Sebastian Jouse and look like yeah. a fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with mm -hmm. Kerbal Space Program, the thing that you wouldn't normally do is learn about literal physics and rocketry and the game giving you this tangible, powerful incentive yeah. to engage in that space when normally you might not. Totally, and 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 all of that stuff is hidden, uh, either right. enti either entirely at the beginning of the game or mostly towards the end of the game. You know, you you know you have to install mods if you want to get a whole bunch of extra information. Uh, the game limits the amount of information it jams at the player, uh, and it hides it at the beginning to kind of yes, yes, child. There is nothing more complicated here than just put the rocket on top of the engine and hit the button. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like I said, you can wing it. You don't have to pay attention to, you know, Delta V or, uh, you know, the escape velocities or that stuff. You don't have to mess with that. You can just put the stuff together and hit it. And that didn't work. Put another one together. And that's fun. That's super fun. If I were 12, I would have done that for days. Mm -hmm. I would have just seen had the, what the biggest explosion I could have made would have been. And that's just the beginning of it. I mean, I could, that, that's just what most people who play the game get out of the beginning of the game, you know, the first 10% or whatever of the game. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We might, we might have to have you back on for yeah. round two. Um, Moses, did you, did you have something? Uh, no, only I was going to say, I, I was just waiting to see whether accidentally or intentionally we wound up with a, a three body reference. Uh, sneaking <laughs> in there. Right. I, I, I did say um, three body gravity and yes. my brain thought of, yeah, had to go uh, there. Had to go there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're if you've read any hard science fiction, oh, just try try a uh, Kerbal Space Program a little bit, and just forget about the fact they're little green men. Just use them as proxies in your head for Sally Ryder or whoever, and you know you'll, you'll be good. 
Uh, <laughs> just be a horrible yeah, human being or let them be little green men who uh yeah. yeah exactly whatever you want just just play the game if you're interested in, in rockets at all because it's 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 compelling yeah and and if and if you find it too hard talk to people about mods because there's uh because i would argue i guess if if uh if we're running out of time to talk about it i would say the the the, the final point of it is it's also a game that you can play your own way. A whole, I mean, the whole game, you kind of play your own way. They give you some guidance, but really in the end, it's like, hey, what do I want to do? do I want to go to the moon. Do I want to go to Mars? What do I want to do? But you can get a lot more of that with mods. And I guess it's like every game that has mods. I would just say the Kerbal Space Program is uh, has even more interesting mods than any mod community I've seen, uh, maybe, in that so much of the mod community are coming from a place of interest in you know, real world technology and topics. And so, you know, if you want to play on the real earth, there's a mod that'll let you play on the real earth with real, you know, and it's much more difficult and so on and so on. But uh, yeah, so I, and I, and I think personally, if you want to get the most out of Kerbal Space Program in the long term, not at the beginning of the game, but eventually, maybe your second or third playthrough or whatever, there's just one or two mods that you install and they change the whole game completely without changing the game at all. Hmm. Uh, they, they, yeah, that's all I can really say. That's exactly the changes totally gives you a completely different game experience but without really altering the game and actually makes it more realistic without going into details. Uh, and, wow. you know, so you can, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can take the game. You can kind of keep it as a simple press your thing. And, and I'm sure there are people who have played and gone to the outer planets and whatever using the vanilla game and haven't used any mods. I'm sure there's lots of those. I don't think there's many of them though because you'd have to have a lot of time. Yeah. A whole lot, a whole lot of time. Wow. Um, well, I mean, I, ringing endorsement, and yeah, I've dipped my toe in a little, but uh, definitely want to go back. And there's a sequel on the way, so there's yeah. never been a better time uh, to get into Kerbal Space Program. Uh, and there's never been a better time for our final segment of the show, a little something we call "Make My Game." This week, coming to us from Original Bat Productions, is the game called Blade Droid. All one Blade word. Droid. Blade Droid. That was bat as in like uh, baseball or flying mammal? Indeed. Okay. Original but that's bat. not part of the game. Well, no, no, it, can, just... it can inform, if it sounds like a, a, a Russian studio, it might mm. inform something, but but yes. Oh, that was the name of the studio. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Original Bat the... Productions is the studio, and sometimes okay. the studio does kind of inform our thinking about what this game is. Oh, absolutely. Be. Oh, for sure, yeah. But um, yeah, Rick, Blade Droid, what's your first thought about what this game is? Well, I guess my immediate thought is the question of, is the thing a blade that is also a droid, or is it a droid that is a blade or something else? Yes. But I thought that was an important distinction to start with. This first thing came to mind. Yeah. So I, I, I do kind of see it as it, it is a droid, but the, the entirety of the droid is a blade. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm picturing like a circular, a circular blade, maybe not with teeth on it, but like a, a, a you know, a straight edged mm -hmm. uh, sort of, sort of disc almost. See, and yet the name blade droid also suggests to me a game that there that has power-ups and i feel like those power-ups somehow just need to be more blades more of course so yeah. I, i'm with you that that the droid is like a giant spinning circular so i just in some way shape or form let let loose 
Um, well, I mean, without modular. being ridiculous, like like without being ridiculous, the, the 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 best serious idea is you get different kinds of blades for different kinds of enemies and and situations. You need long blades to attack the enemies with the giant tongues and fire or whatever, and you need short blades to attack the whatevers. Uh, to attack the little creepy crawly guys, and we're clearly uh, one some, some you can shoot blades. The, the player plays as as the blade droid. The blade right. droid is not the the nemesis. I guess I gotta be right. So yeah. is this a is this a side scroller sort of uh, contra esque uh, with with the power ups? Is that what we're picturing? I mean, I really want it to be. I uh, no, I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, I'm hoping that you can shoot a, a saw blade as well. That it doesn't always have to be connected. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're spinning and you let go of your blade, it's going to fly in the direction you let go. So right, um, maybe it's maybe it. Oh, what if it's like a build your own kind of thing where you have blades for the wheels, and mm. you're that can do damage, and you can mm -hmm. maybe jump a la Luna Luna Lander Lunar Lander Luna Lander. <laughs> uh, I guess the the one thing I'm running up against is how many different kinds of blades are there? Like, you mean just in life? Well, <laughs> sure. But if, so there's like a serrated blade. Are we going with modifiers like poison blades? To me, to me, I almost want to come up with holistically another type of blade. You know, I mean, you got like a machete. You got a cleaver. You know, you got, you got, uh, you got light light swords, laser light. swords. Yeah. You've got a butter knife. <laughs> You've butter got knife. Wesley Snipes hung by the feet. <laughs> uh, Swinging them around. But I've got to say, Paul, I can see this modding screen that you're talking about. Because I'm, I'm starting to think maybe yeah, at like, you know, level zero, you are just a giant saw blade. Yeah. Like, to begin with. And, and you know, initially, you've just got to cut through everything. But then you get to start modding, including, like, maybe little little blades for feet that allow you to do different things with the body. And like different slots, you can maybe accrue more slots along the way where you can choose which other blades, you know, you're going to kind of slot in to give you the different capabilities. Yeah. I can't, I can't stop seeing it from the top down because I want to see blades spinning in multiple Ooh. directions. I want to see like that too. <laughs> maybe it's not just a side scroller, you know? Uh, there could be segments, yeah, where it's more, more top down. I could definitely see that. I mean, it, it's making me think. I mean, Mario started out as a you know side-scrolling platformer, but depending on the game, some of them have alternate views in different places, right? Right. It's a tangent, but do you remember the game Berserk? No. Oh yeah. It was, like, it was an arcade game. I was just game, thinking about that game. Paul's asking yeah. you about like first games you played. Funny. Yeah. Intruder yeah. alert. Intruder alert. Yeah. Yeah. To me, like Blade Droid is such a such an elemental concept that I, I don't know. I almost feel like it it's already there. Like it almost writes itself, right? Like, yeah. I mean, anything, yeah. All the material, water blades and wind blades. And oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. All of the other, uh, avatar they, they, related things. Sure that, uh, oh, sorry, Rick. Yeah. No, no, no. Because he's making sure it doesn't get flat as it, uh, as it progresses. It's a game that, um, uh, the bulk of the design energy is clearly going to have to go into keeping it fresh past the first couple of levels. Because early mm. on, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm cutting up enemies, sawing up oh, the yeah, world. Yeah. Oh, cool, I got a couple of mods. But then, like, you know, it can take some really, really hard-thinking level design. To make yeah, it I mean, real, realistically, it's not, it doesn't sound like a game I would play. I'd be like, oh, that sounds cool. It's not, I'd watch Steven to go, cool, cool, cool. And I'd be like, all right. Uh, I, I had one I wrinkle just, yeah. that, that might... 
elevated a little bit. So with Moses, what you said about keeping it sharp, each time you hit an enemy, it dulls that blade. Certain rocks in the environment are like whetstones. So if you Ooh. sort of jump off that, it sharpens your blade, but it also makes it smaller. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay, that's definitely bringing mm. a new puzzly dimension to it. Yeah, the surface kind of area of the blade shrinks as it gets more powerful, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's that's like the risk reward. Like, oh, I've got this giant dull blade and it's doing the job, but if I sharpen it a little, yeah. Yeah, and then I'll be able to get through the, you know, harder materials in the back right. end of the level, but then I have less surface area to work with against that big boss you have to deal with at the end. That's it started off as kind of a kind of a one note thing, but I think with the sharpening mechanic, there might be a it little just, risk reward it's there. It's showing the edges, possible edges of, of Blade Droid. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Did you have another thought there, Rick? Uh, the 30, but not anything exciting. Okay. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Blades. That is Most, uh, Mostly I just want to go back and explore the idea that you have a knife that's also a droid, and that's it. Like, <laughs> knife droid. Excuse me. Attack, attack, defend. Well, yeah, from original Bat Productions, that was Blade. Mm. I always want to over-enunciate Blade Droid, but really you're going to say Blade Droid. Yeah, Blade you Droid. Are. Blade Droid. Blade Droid. Blade Droid. Uh, well, uh, that is our final segment, and it's uh, just about time to wrap up here. Uh, big thanks to Rick. It was a very fascinating discussion. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Nice having a real live guest. It was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unlike Mr. Guest, who is not alive, or is he? We will find out. Maybe both. Uh, um, as always, uh, thanks to everyone for joining us for this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion for the Clunkers segment, please email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. And until next week, never, never, never stop, stop playing! playing.